Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman. And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnt out? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe it's the opposite, and you're a go-getter and want to level up. Then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations. Hello, and welcome to today's Control the Chaos Conversations. We're going to be diving in and talking about communication when it comes to maybe teachers, parents, students, anybody that you communicate with on a daily basis. And there is this study that I've been kind of interested in, and I found it really interesting. So what they did is they had two sets of people, one set of the group um, was kind of not given a whole lot of communication compared to the other group. And they were trying to see who was going to donate more money to this organization or um, supplies, like whoever was going to donate um, to this organization. So they wanted to see kind of this charity effect of donations and which group of people would donate and which group would not. So the group that had um, less communication compared to the group that had very detailed organization, like communication down to like what door you enter through, where you park your car and how, what you should give all like very listed out where the other one was very vague and like you could donate, you know, whatever, here's where you do it. Here's the time. And that was about it. The group that had the more communication, the detailed the longer response donated more compared to the group that did not. And I just kind of found that study very interesting because I think sometimes too, when I am listening to teachers about the start of the year, because there's so much going on, they're not always given all of that information about like where to park, what to wear, where do you go to, what door do you attend, what what do you do? What, where do you go? And all those different questions that we kind of have in our head, when those aren't clearly outlined, you sometimes have people that are really stressed out. And so when I was thinking of that study and how these people that had all of this communication and knew it down to the very bottom of like what even door to enter through donated more, they had that clarity, they had that communication given to them compared to the group that didn't. And so again, going back, I think about our students entering our first day. How do they know how to get to our classroom? Do they know how to um, enter your classroom doors when they walk in? Do you know all of these different things? And I think it's just something to reflect on. Like, am I communicating so that students know exactly which, where to go? They know exactly how to get to my classroom and they feel welcomed and they're excited to be there and they feel loved. So I think that's just something to kind of reflect on. If you're building admin, do your teachers feel that way? If you are listening and you're an educator or coach, okay, thinking about that as well. But I remember my first day, like, what what door do I go to? Where do I park? What do I do? And and you just kind of think about all of those questions and thinking about, is that outlined for you or not? Yeah, I think clarity is huge, right? I mean, I've been so many times you whether you're pulling up to a concert or you're pulling up to a school or you're going to a baseball game, you're always thinking about 
the clarity piece of it. Where do I park? Where do I go? What door do I go in? Um, where do I go first? And if you can keep that clear communication, it makes those moments of stress so much less stressful. But also there's, when we're talking about communication, there's different types of communication. And I think getting into what is the goal of your communication is really the first thing you want to, to look at. Is your goal of the type of communication to inform? Is the goal of your communication to build relationships? Is it to inspire? Is it to influence? Like thinking about before you even get started, what is the goal of your communication? Because that can lead you down different paths, right? Um, if whether I'm trying to inform, um, we can go maybe a newsletter. Maybe I'm trying to inspire and maybe I'm doing like a motivating video. So thinking about that as a starting point, what is the goal of communication can be a helpful piece to where you start and how you build that communication, whether it's a system or um, a consistent newsletter, monthly, weekly, but where do you start in the communication piece can always lie in knowing what your goals are. Yeah, for sure. And that's a great point of like, where do you even start? What is the purpose? Because thinking about that could change the way that you communicate your message. Um, so we're going to try to break down what happens when it's communicating with teams, families, and students. So those kind of three little buckets of how we're going to communicate with these different people. Um, so when you're working with coworkers, you want to make sure that your communication is open and honest. You also want to communicate expectations and navigate difficult conversations. And I was just listening to um, a coaching conference and Jim Knight, if you don't know who Jim Knight is, he is a great uh, coach and he's kind of one of the people that I go to when I'm looking for how to better my coaching and how to kind of learn different things. And I loved what he shared. He shared um, four things to just think about when it comes to partnership. So when I think of partnership, I think of those teams and just trying to get um, your team on the same focus on the same wavelength and whether that's content team or maybe you're teamed up with multiple teachers, you all see the same group of kids or maybe it's an admin team or something. But I think this can be used for any team. And it was really, again, here's the questions that I want you to think about. Do I interrupt or judge others? So that's the first question. And again, if you're judging others or you're interrupting, you're creating not a safe space for others to share their ideas. And so I've seen people that do come off maybe judgmental or they do interrupt. And then that other person that's receiving that message doesn't feel as comfortable to share alongside of their other um, group of educators and they might shut down. And then number two, can I let go of control? <laughs> so when you're working with a team, sometimes someone wants to do this idea and sometimes you wanna do this idea. Can you compromise? Can you let go of some control so that you can use their idea instead? But I think when we can give up that control and kind of, again, work together as a team, we're going to have stronger partnerships as well. The next one was, do others know that their opinions matter? 
Do the people that you're working with know what they're saying really is important? Do they feel seen? Do they feel heard? And are you really listening in to what they're sharing? And then his final one was, am I open to being shaped by others' ideas? Do I see their strengths and what's best for them? Okay, so am I able to kind of, again, hear and see others' ideas and how it's being shaped? Am I using what's, what's their strengths? There might be on a teacher on your team who has a very strong strength in communicating and sending out emails with your parents. Use that strength to your advantage. Everybody on your team needs to pick up a different role and you can then kind of carry that weight um, for the school year. Yeah. And one other thing that I like to talk about is when you're talking about expectations, um, being real clear and upfront. So one of the ways we, one of the things we like to do, we do it with, we call it co-teaching talking points, and then we have a pair of professional talking points. So if there's two teachers in the room and you have your intervention specialist and you have your um, general education teacher or content teacher, um, one of the things that we have done is we've sat the two people down, whether it's with a coach or an admin or they do it together on their own, but just sitting people down and saying, okay, so what are the best ways that we would reach each other? Do we want to email each other? Do we want to text each other? Do we send messages through Google? How is How are we going to communicate best throughout the day if we need to chat? Um, then thinking about what, okay, so if I have a student in the class that has accommodations, what are the content teacher's responsibilities and what are the students or the intervention specialist? And it could also be an EL person. It doesn't necessarily have to be a special education specialist. Um, family communication, what are the content teacher's expectations of the communication? for communicating home and what are the specialists because we should be both communicating, right? They're both of our students. So what comes from who? When you're talking about lesson planning, all right, what are the general education teachers' expectations and what are the specialist teachers? Are they helping to, to do the lesson? Are they just accommodating the lesson? Are they modifying the lesson? But sitting down and talking through then Maybe some other questions you might ask are, what are the specialist beliefs and what are the general education's teaching beliefs? Because if you're, if you're operating on a different belief system, that may cause some friction, especially to new teaching teams. We have a lot of new teaching teams where teams have been changed, people have been gone, gone in different directions, where you might have one one of the team members left to go to a new school district and you're getting another team and now you have a new team. So thinking about what those beliefs are, because those are important to understand. And then when you think about what those beliefs are, you know, how, how they're important to you, because those matter within how you handle your classroom. Talking about overall expectations and then maybe even what are what are we going to do when we disagree and we have conflict? Because that may happen throughout the year. You may have 
the intervention specialist, the EL person, the paraprofessional that is working with the teacher and the two don't see eye to eye. I mean, fabulous for you if you 100% see eye to eye the entire year, but there may be something that comes up that you disagree on. So how, how do you handle that? What are your expectations of each other when you disagree? Are you going to talk about things on a Friday where you meet a specific day? Like, what is that going to look like? So I think taking the time in the beginning of the year to set up a time where you just talk about communication will really save you time in the end because it's going to create that positive communication piece that you're already getting to know each other as a new team. You know, and we have done this where teams have absolutely, yes, I worked with you last year, but we're still going to do this at the beginning of the year and have these conversations because things could have changed over the summer. Um, you, you might have something in your belief system that changed. Maybe something has impacted your teaching over the summer. Maybe you went to a conference. Maybe you had a life circumstance change. There, anything that could have reflected those changes in communication. So we just want to make sure we touch base at the beginning of the year and talk about how are we, how are we communicating throughout the year. Yeah. And I think too, just being open and honest with people and having those set meeting dates can help. And so for example, Tara and I, we've set meeting dates. And if we, one of us have something that pops up, it's like, oh, you just gifted me the time because then I can do other things. But then we have that set time where we're able to meet and we're able to talk about things. And we just kind of have a running agenda of like, this is what we want to talk about. And this is what we want to get done during those meetings. So have a place maybe where your team can add and jot down notes where they're able to kind of add some ideas. And But having that set time can be a great way um, to just quickly check in with your different content team and to make sure everybody's on that same page and going in that same direction. Another area is families. So when we are talking with our families, maybe you send out a newsletter. A newsletter can be a great way to just let families know what's going on in the classroom. And you can just kind of give them a quick, hey, here's some upcoming events that's happening in the community or the school. Here are just some activities that are happening um, within our classroom. Here's some ways that you can help. Parents want to help. I've had teachers that have asked for donations for either like prizes for behavior or um, different activities like that. And parents want to help. They're excited to have and send in those donations. So ask for different things and resources that you might need too. And then we also have um, a couple different groups of teachers that have the kids send out a reflection. So at, they do it once a month. Some do it every single week. Some do it biweekly. It's kind of up to you and your team. But what will happen is the students, there's a template we have and the kids will write up what they've done this past week or what's happening this upcoming week, or they reflect on what has different things that they've accomplished or different challenges that they've overcome. And the kids actually send this to their parents. So they'll type up their reflection. It's usually in Google Classroom and a Google Slide. And then what happens is they will hit send and share. 
and they will send it to their parents. So then their parents get to see that student's response. And if you um, want to, before you give that template to your students as a reflection, maybe at the top, you just put a quick, hey, here's some upcoming events or bullet points from you. And then the kids could fill out the bottom once you make your template. But that's been a really hot topic for um, parents to kind of get that reflection from their students. Yeah, and another way, of course, this might be dictated by your school district, or if your school district doesn't have any, there's lots of free ones out there that you can use. Um, and maybe that's some type of app where you communicate. It could be talking points. It could be remind. I've you have used both of those. There are tons of them out there. Parent Square, Classing, Blooms, Classly. There's lots of apps. Bright Class Dojo. Um, all kinds of ways that you can have on your phone. Many parents are quick to respond to a message or are able to see it quicker as a notification up in their phone. If, um, if they are like that, you might get a better response versus an email. So that could be a quick way also. And those are things that you can attach documents to as well if you need to. So if you do have a newsletter, maybe you are um, sending it both email or attaching it to a talking points. So looking at what app you might use and thinking about that in general, if your school district doesn't have one, if you're like us, our school district has one. So we are using a specific app when, when we are communicating home that also has different languages for translating. So that can be very helpful as well when you're talking about how, how can this translate home when I have different um, families with different languages and backgrounds at home. So culturally, that can make a difference as well when you're thinking about that communication piece home with the app. So those, those things are di just different ways that you can communicate with families. There's so many other ways that can be just the tip of the iceberg, right? Because we can send messages um, through Infinite Campus, also different school systems that can be different things that can be sent out. So now we're going into students. How are you how are you getting the students to communicate with you and how are you getting the students to communicate with each other? So starting with each other, um, thinking about different ways that think pair share and turn and talk are pretty simple, right? Getting that constant communication through throughout the day, really. Um, are you doing small groups and having them turn and talk in small groups? I mean, you can even do, you can add timers. So I know that, you know, we don't want to stop communication, but sometimes we have long lessons or things as teachers that we need to get through. So we still want to allow that communication. And I think this is important that we never want to, you know, take that communication away, but at the same time, we do have a pace, right, that sometimes we have to keep. So that could be a good tool when you're thinking about timers, you know, thinking about activities for communication. Let's do a turn and talk for two minutes. Let's do a think, think, um, 
pair and share for three minutes and dropping that time so that way you can still keep on pace, but you can still allow that communication. Because sometimes I believe that's one of our roadblocks where we think we don't have enough time. We don't have enough time. I have to teach X, Y, and Z. I don't have enough time in my day. So you can add these little sections of communication throughout your lessons by just doing some of these little strategies. Yeah, and another thing to consider in your classroom is you have maybe 28, 30, maybe 35 kids in your classroom, and that's a lot of kids. And knowing that some students might be internal processors. And so when it comes to an internal processor, they need to process first. They need to think before they speak. And sometimes when you're giving them feedback, they might just need some time to process what you just said during that conference. And so knowing that about those students, give them that time, because if you don't, it's going to stress them out. But then you also have those external processors where they are talking while they're thinking and they are thinking through their ideas. And you have this with kids, but you also have this with adults. And so knowing who you're kind of dealing with and what different people need, maybe you create differentiated groups where you have internal processors kind of where they're able to think and then share, where you've got your external processors that are thinking while they're kind of processing that information. So think about that too in your classroom. Think about open-ended questions where you have students justifying and providing evidence to their uh, reasoning. So not just asking like a yes or no type question or closed ended question, but really get your students thinking and providing that justification is going to be huge as well. You want to make that connection to prior knowledge too. So before you even teach a lesson, engage your students, have them do some prior knowledge type of activities where maybe they're looking at different photos or they're coming up with predictions about what they're about to start learning about. This can be a great way to hear what your students already know about the topic and trying to help with that retrieval practice. But you're also able to listen to your students and begin to see, okay, this is maybe a learning gap that they might have about this certain concept, or this is a misconception that they might end up having as well. And then classroom discussions. Um, we've done real talk discussions. We've done fish tank discussions. Having some type of protocol in place when you do these discussions is huge. Because for students, they need to learn how to talk. They need to see that model. And maybe they have sentence starters to help them. Or maybe you do a quick like fish tank where they watch a small group discuss. And they can see different students with your coaching um, going through a conversation. So think about those things as well. And having a protocol in place really does help your students be able to have better, stronger discussions in your classroom. Yeah, and as we have been going through this list, we start to think about what are the roadblocks of communication. Um, so thinking about those roadblocks of communication, one may be, if you're thinking about families, could be the translation piece if you have English language learners. So thinking about what app or what way you're communicating home with families that may not speak the same language. So that could be a roadblock. So how are you translating? Are you using Google Translate? Are you using an app that translates? Um, do you have a person in your district that will do the translating? Because we, we have in our district, and we're very lucky, not very many people have these, but we have family li liaisons. 
so they can be part of that communicating when someone speaks another language. So thinking about that piece, so that roadblock, if you have someone speaking a different language at home, how are you communicating best to them? Um, how are we making sure that they're getting our communication and they have access to it? So it's not just getting the communication, it's also ensuring that they have access to the communication. So thinking about that piece, that could be a roadblock. Another roadblock could be for our students, it could be that they just don't have the communication skills yet. Have they been taught those skills? Um, maybe they have been taught those skills, but they haven't practiced those skills yet. So really, we might have to do some reteaching and some learning, the learning piece of how do you have that two-way dialogue? How do you do that turn and talk? How do I active listen? How do I share feedback correctively, but do it in a friendly type of way so that it doesn't, or a positive way, so it doesn't sound negative, like you're cutting somebody down? Because if you're providing that feedback to somebody and communicating in the classroom between students, they could very easily ruffle somebody's feathers because they have given feedback in an unfriendly or, or a negative way. So we want to make sure that we're teaching how to give feedback. Volume and clarity. A lot of times when we're doing some of these group activities, the turn and talk, what happens to the volume of the classroom? It goes up, right? And now it's like, shh. I've, how many times have you heard shh? Or you've had a teacher. I don't think, I hope that teachers aren't shushing their classes anymore. But it has happened in the past, or you're flickering the lights on and off, or whatever your nonverbal signal is for the volume. So that could be uh, something that is a roadblock in your volume and clarity, because maybe next door is doing a test. So maybe you have to keep the volume down. Um, if you've never used bouncing balls before, um, it's a website. It's awesome and you can adjust the level to it and you can put it up on your whiteboard if you have a whiteboard if you have a computer if you are not using sorry that projector in your school maybe you don't have a projector in your classroom and you have a computer where you could put it on it detects volume so the kids have that visual of the bouncing balls are going too high that means I'm talking too loud and I have to bring my voice down a little bit. So you can point them to the visual of the bouncing balls without even saying anything. Or you can put an alarm on the bouncing balls if the volume is an issue in the classroom. And that is that continuous visual of, and practice of, of seeing those bouncing balls and knowing where your volume needs to be at. So I want my class on a silent volume. I want my clap. And so you put those on. If the balls start bouncing, you know, somebody's talking and the volume is too high. Maybe I'm at a volume three or four, whatever it is that you're thinking about your class and the activity, thinking about that. Has, ha, has your students learned the skill of empathy when they're communicating? So this is huge, right? May, maybe they're communicating something and that empathy 
can take a huge role in communicating. So there's lots of things and there's lots of pieces of communication skills that maybe your students just don't know yet because maybe they're in the beginning. As we get up into the older grades, we should start getting better at these skills because we've practiced them. Um, but there are certainly different things that when you get up into the high school or the higher grade levels, junior high, that even if they have some of the basic skills, now we can go more in depth with our communication skills and maybe the communication activity that you have, maybe they're not ready for. So definitely when you're thinking about the, ro the roadblocks, start thinking about some of those things that you may have to overcome. If you're expecting the class to do a think, pair, and share, do they know how to do it? Or does it need to be taught? So those are some of the roadblocks, maybe some solutions. Reach out to us with your solutions. We'd love to hear how you're sending out newsletters, how you're communicating with your teams, how you're getting your students to communicate amongst each other, and with you, we love the creativeness. Um, and your call to action this week, of course, is to tell us about that communication. Like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. And until next time, control the chaos. Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes. We look forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode control the chaos until next time.